way to worship. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. John, the woman of Samaria asks Jesus, What is the best way to worship? What is the best place? The question might be expanded to include, Which is the best church? What is the best religion? Is it important to go on pilgrimage to holy shrines? What is the best ritual? What is the best mantra or prayer? Jesus cut across all such questioning with his reply. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It was not that outer considerations of place, church, ritual, etc. are irrelevant. Each person should find those practices and observances which are compatible with his own nature, one might say with his own vibrations. Not everyone's natural path is the same. God sent different religions into the world to satisfy different human needs. The overarching concern, however, considering that the goal is to find God, is to include in one's worship daily inner communion with the Lord. God is silence. He must be sought, therefore, in inner silence. God is absolute love. He must be sought, therefore, in the silence of love. God is spirit and thus immaterial. He must be sought above all in the expanding peace of deep meditation. Thus, the Bhagavad Gita states in the sixth chapter, Sequestered should he sit, steadfastly meditating, solitary, his thoughts controlled, his passions laid away from every craving for possession freed. Wherever you are, whatever your outward beliefs and observances, seek God in the silence of your own soul. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. it sounds somehow bigger. (laughs) So welcome everyone and welcome all those who also are joining us online. So I will read from a beautiful whisper from eternity. Actually, I think I'll read with glasses.
This is the universal prayer in the cosmic temple. With the myriad of living thoughts of devotion, I have built for thee a temple of awakened silence. I have brought the multicolored lamps of wisdom from all valid faiths. They shine with the luster of thy one truth, the commingled incense of human craving for thy love soars up in spirals from the incense bowls of our heart. The sacred presence shines on altars everywhere. All prayers of all temples, tabernacles, churches, mosques, and vihadas are chanting to thee in the universal language of deep love. The orchestra of our combined feelings plays in harmony with the chorus of all songs, with the cry of all tears, with the bursting shout of all joys, and with the united anthem of all prayers. In this well-less, in this wall-less cosmic temple of the soul, we worship Thee, our one Father. Be pleased to reveal Thyself to us always. Amen. 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 Isn't that beautiful? So, in talking about how to worship, there's an inner worship and an outer worship. And the inner worship is universal, as Master was saying. It's the altar of love. It's the altar of joy. It's the altar... As Master said, there's only one true altar. It's the altar of our own central nervous system. And so that inner worship, what does worship really mean? Is it praise, praise of God? Someone said, oh, we have to praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And Master said, praise the Lord. What do you think he is, some kind of old person who's insecure and needs our praise all the time we don't need to praise the Lord we need to love because why do we need to love it isn't that God needs our love the truth is he already is us he already is love he doesn't need our love we need to love him or her because it helps break down the delusion that we aren't already united with God. There's a beautiful story of a, uh, many beautiful stories of great saints, but um, one I remember having read recently, there was a, a great master named Baba Lokanath, and he lived in India around the time of Lahiri Mahashaya. In fact, he and Trilanga Swami that's mentioned in the autobiography who was contemporary of Lahiri Mahashaya. Baba Lokanath and Trilanga Swami roamed around India for about three years together and just enjoying because they were both these great, great souls. At any rate, uh, one person uh, recounted this story that uh, Baba Lokanath was in his little room and this person was about to come in and Baba Lokanath said, wait, wait, don't come in yet. My 
my family isn't done finished eat, finished eating. And the man thought his family finished eating. I thought he was alone. And then finally Baba Lokanath said, okay, it's safe, now you can come in. And he'd placed some food on the floor for the ants. And so that sense of my family, everything becomes our family. When the heart becomes filled with love, there are no barriers. And so love is one of the ways to worship. So what worship really means, what all spirituality really comes down to, is simply dissolving the sense that we're separate from God. Uh, Swami has often said that the ancient word, ancient name for the religion of India is not Hinduism. That's only because when Alexander and others came to India, they saw a civilization along the Indus River, so they called them Hindus, and they called their worship Hinduism. But that isn't the worship of India. It's Sanatana Dharma. And the essence of Sanatana Dharma is that from God, in his creation, we're extensions of God. So we have come out from God. And knowing that deep in our souls, our souls are yearning to reunite with God. And so the essence of all religion is the desire to reunite with God. And so that's the inner worship. Now, inwardly, we have techniques that help. When I say inwardly, they help withdraw the consciousness from being outwardly extended. And so this weekend, we have been talking about and practicing together and reunited and re-inspiring our practice of Kriya because Kriya is the most central of those techniques that get the prana, the energy, withdrawn into the central channel of our own deep nervous system, our astral nervous system, and offer that up into the light. And in that self-offering, we break down the sense of self, of separation. But any inward practice that helps break down that sense of separation is the proper way to worship. For us, that Kriya technique is a wonderful, wonderful gift and is a wonderful way to worship. But if that doesn't fit for other people, then they need to find their own way to worship. But inwardly, there is only one religion. There's only one way to worship, and that way to worship is to dissolve the sense of separation and become one with the Creator, and therefore one with everything that He has created, everything, everyone. And so that, as we do that, the outer ways of worshiping, outer religions, spring from that. So a true religion isn't man-made. It's made out of the forging of the consciousness that has united with God. And so then these great souls come along 
who have united their consciousness with God and they begin sharing that union, sharing the way to get there. And a religion forms around them and the disciples who aren't as elevated in their consciousness as the master whom they're following begin to fight about my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way. And the masters just must shake their head and say, we tried. <laughs> there they did it again. So Buddha shakes his head and Jesus shakes his head and says, we tried. But they used these teachings to separate Ramakrishna, a great saint of about a century ago. He, he at one point in his uh, expression of divinity, went through each of the different religions and through each of those different religions found that they were valid and they brought him into the state of union with God. And so he, he basically said that all religions are equal, all religions are valid expressions. And some of his disciples, not the great ones, but some others said, our master is the greatest master because he said all of them are equal. <laughs> he must just shake his head saying so. Anyway, there is only one inner religion and that is uniting ourselves with God. But there are, so think of the union with God as being a vast sea of infinity. But then the way that a drop of water gets to that sea is separate for every, every drop of water. Now, a drop of water falling may trickle down and join a little rivulet and that rivulet may join a stream and that stream may join a river and that river eventually goes into that sea. And so we can follow along and say that there are a few rivers that lead to the sea, but for every drop of water, that journey is different. In fact, there are some people who feel that the water that we drink contains the memory of its journey. And therefore, every glass of water that we drink remembers where it was and how it got there and how it came into our being and how it was a drop of water before and was part of Christ's body or part of Buddha's body are part of the universal consciousness so that everything inwardly, everything outwardly becomes an expression of the one. But because there are different rivers that go in, there are different ways that for each one of us seem to be our natural pathway, our natural river to go down. So if we need to choose an outer religion, if that is helpful for us, don't choose a religion that separates. Choose one that unites. So 
it's well said that imitation is the best expression of flattery. And so if you want to flatter, if you want to praise the Lord, try to imitate the Lord. One of the very few books that Master recommended that his disciples read was called The Imitation of Christ. So if you want to worship Christ, if you want to think of yourself as a Christian, don't look at Christ and say, oh, Jesus, oh, you're wonderful. You Imitate Jesus. Yes, he is wonderful. But separating yourself from his consciousness isn't the way to truly unite and truly worship. Imitate Jesus. So if you want to pick a religion or a religious leader, don't look at what they do that might separate them from others, but how they unite. Or another way of choosing a religion, since God expresses himself in different ways, in different vibrations, choose one of those. Choose love as your religion, one of the eight expressions of God. Now love might, might express itself in different ways for different people. So for one, it might be a universal sense of love, or for many, it might be, as we read this morning and did the affirmation, it might be kindness. Kindness is a good religion. The Dalai Lama says his religion is kindness. So if you want to pick one, that's a good one to pick. Pick kindness. So do everything in an act of kindness to everyone and everything around you. Now, why is that a good religion? Because in the midst of practicing that religion, you dissolve your sense of separation. You become one with that which you're being kind to. There's a beautiful story. Some of you have heard it because it's so touching and I love this story of Ananda Moy Ma. It was told by a disciple of hers who told the story on himself. In the early part of his discipleship, he was very drawn to Ananda Moy Ma. But he was a little bit restless, a little bit skeptical. You know, coming onto the path, we carry along these kinds of immature relationships and delusions. So even though he loved Ma, he couldn't understand why she was so restless that she couldn't even seem to stay in one place for two or three days. She would be one place and then she'd get up and she'd leave. And He loved her, but gosh, she was restless. And he didn't understand why she had to be that way. So one time she invited him and some others to go with her because they were going to go and stay in a little place by a lake. And so the morning after they arrived, she said, let's have a picnic. Let's do a picnic lunch, and we'll go out to the lake, and we'll sit and have a picnic. And so they lovingly made some food and put it in 
uh, basket and they all went a little ways and were at the lake and they were just about to put a blanket down to sit on and Ma said, oh, it's time to leave. <laughs> and this fellow said, we haven't even sat down. We haven't even had a chance to eat. Or more properly, I haven't really <laughs> even had a chance to eat. And here she is so restless that she can't even sit down. What, what is this? And she said, we have to leave. I have to leave right now. And so they started to pack up. But that wasn't quite quick enough for her. So she walked off. And there was one boy who followed with her. And she walked a, a ways away and then stopped under a tree. And when she stopped, a little baby bird fell out of the tree. And she said to the boy, pick it up and hold it. And she looked into its eyes for about a minute and then it flapped its little wings and passed away. And then the others were there. They had, they had come up by that time. And she said, I felt the soul of the little bird calling to me and that's why we came here. Now, that cured this young man of his delusion that she was doing it out of restlessness. Kindness has no boundaries. It has no place that it... True love, true kindness. How can true kindness stop and say, I'll be kind to people who follow this way, but I'm going to be unkind to people who think in this way. I'll be kind to people who say one praise to God or one prayer and unkind to others. Do you think that's the way that God acts? Do you think that's the imitation of God? Imitation of Christ? I don't think so. So again, if we want to worship God, the truest form of worship is to imitate God. Now how do we imitate God? What what are some of those qualities? Just this last, uh, on Friday, the bl my blog came out. And in that, I talked about, uh, the we recently had in Clarity Magazine an article on 12 godly qualities. And so I listed those 12 godly qualities and talked about how we should practice those. So... If we can practice godly qualities, qualities I mentioned one, the first one was a courage and non-attachment. And why courage and non-attachment? Because in the process of dissolving the ego, the ego is fearful. And so a godly quality is to overcome that fear of merging with God. Another one is kindness. Another one that he listed is sattvic charity, helping those who are in need. There are so any any of those twelve godly qualities. Take one at a time and try not just to think about it to but become it. 
imitate that godly quality, become a saint of that godly quality. What is a saint? A saint is simply someone who no longer has a barrier between God outside and God inside and the expression of a godly quality. And so a saint is one who has dissolved the ego sufficiently so that God flows through. The saint doesn't think, oh, I did this, because once the ego is dissolved, how, how can you think I? That's the very definition of the ego, the separation. So in the, a saint thinks God did this. God did this through me. Maybe, maybe I had to participate a little bit, but it's only God who is acting. There was a young boy who was a disciple of um, Sai Baba, thank you. I've told this story before, so <laughs> as, as Swami one time said, you know, you tell the jokes so many times that you just say, you know, joke number seven, and everybody, <laughs> everybody laughs. So, disciple, a young boy, about six, disciple of Sai Baba, and he lived in uh, the ashram of Sai Baba. And one weekend he went home to visit his family, and when he came back, Sai Baba said, did you visit your family? Did you see your mother and father? And the young boy, six years old, said, no, Baba, all I saw was you. And Sai Baba said, well, didn't you see your brothers and your sisters and have time to play with them? He said, no, Baba, all I saw was you. And then Sai Baba said, well, didn't you see your friends? Didn't you see and have a chance to play with them? The boy said, don't tease me anymore, Baba. All I saw was you. So when the whole heart goes in the direction of wanting to be one with God, then all we see is God. We see God in other people. We see God in all events. We see everything that comes to us is simply an expression of God. We see the very understanding or the very thought that we're seeing that as an act of grace, that maybe we're grateful. The very act of gratitude is only God expressing God through this form of God in the form of gratitude. Everything. So the inner path to God is to see only Him, to merge, to break down the delusion of separation until we become one with all that is. The outer path is any pathway that leads us to that realization. So, outwardly, pick one. Kindness, love, joy. Pastor said, shoot people with the buckshot of your smiles. That's a good religion. 
<laughs> wisdom. What is wisdom? The first prayer and the whispers from eternity is, I see thee before me. I see thee behind me. I see thee above and beneath me. I see thee within and without. I see only thee. That's the first prayer that Master had in the whispers from eternity. That's a paraphrase of it, but it's a paraphrase of an ancient Vedic prayer. So if you want to follow wisdom, that's, that's good. That's a good way to follow wisdom. Following wisdom doesn't mean memorizing a lot of books. That can help. If it helps, good. Whatever inspires you, whatever draws you closer to seeing only God within, without, and all around, that's a good religion. Why do we worship the great masters? Why do we follow the great masters? Not because they need our praise. Do you think Baba Lokanath needed the little ants to praise him for feeding them? How silly. They don't need our praise. They don't need our, I don't know, following them or whatever. But they do out of compassion, know that if we try to imitate them, we will arrive at the same state of consciousness that they have. And that's what they want for us. That's why they have reincarnated. And that's why it is very, very, very helpful to have a guru and to do the very best that you can to imitate the life and the consciousness and the expression and the service of that guru. It's why it's good to gather together as we did this weekend with other people who are trying to dissolve their egos and share because true satsang is to gather together with those people who want sat. Sangha is fellowship, sat is truth gather together with those who want truth, who want to merge into the truth that all is one, all is God. There is only one. There is only God. There is only love. And I want my life to be an expression of that love to all.